0: I'm James Milley, and I'm Alex Muto, and this is the Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business
1: podcast for artist entrepreneurs hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to the Artist Business Plan, and that means that you are certifiably awesome. My name is Alex Mito. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair. We're the most widespread art fair for independent artists in the United States, and we're also one of your best resources for all of the marketing tips and tricks you need to jumpstart your art career. Today, we've got 3D artist Jordan Baronecki here with us on the mic. Jordan is going to tell us all about his latest research efforts involving modern-day surrealism. I cannot wait to hear more about that, but first, an offer for you ABP listeners.
0: Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and unsure about the next move in your career? Good news, those days are over! Since 2015, we've
1: spent thousands of hours developing the best art fair model for independent artists just like you who want to take control of your career, build your collector list, and make a real sustainable income from
0: your art. Superfine started with the connection between artists and an eager, empowered, qualified buying audience. So many alternatives didn't provide any real value for the artists who spent their precious time, hard-earned money, and major effort mounting and exhibiting their work without the results to back it up. And that meant that it was time for something new.
1: For seven years, Superfine has focused on breaking down these barriers and creating sustainable economic opportunities for artists to build careers from our fair. To find your place at a Superfine fair, simply visit www.superfine.world sell hyphen your hyphen art. Don't miss the chance to be part of the top
0: business artist
1: community in the world.
0: Oh, and when you mention the Artist Business Plan, you'll receive $150 credit on your booth, no matter what size or city you choose. So that's $150 off. Go online to www.superfine.world
1: slash sell hyphen your art to set up your qualification call with James and get started selling your art with Superfine today. Again, that's www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. All right. We are back here with Jordan Baronecki. Jordan is a 3D collage painter from Canada. He obtained his master's from Emily Carr University in 2022 with an emphasis on the resurgence of post-pandemic surrealism. Throughout his travels, he has nurtured a profound appreciation for introspection, philosophy, and psychology, which now serve as the undercurrents of his practice. His work invites the viewer to question thoughts. The mind retains thousands of those a day, and only the ones that become conscious are part of the subject matter. Jordan has garnered national international recognition. Notably, he exhibited at the Academy of Fine Art in Krakow, Poland in 2022. He's collaborated with Herschel Clothing, as well as the Vancouver Opera. He's partnered with Zero X Society Gallery in Montreal to develop NFTs. And he's dedicated a year to an artist residency in his hometown to explore psychological differences between chaos and solace. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Jordan. Thanks for having me, Alex. It is a pleasure, and we have a little tradition on this show to help get to know you better and help our listeners get to know you, which is to ask you a question, and the question is, what is your earliest memory of art?
2: Yeah, so a a great question, and uh, I was actually doing a uh, a magazine interview as well, so this is fresh on my brain. Um, So I'm a 90s kid, so it was kind of just before the big kind of technology boom, so everything for me was still like hand-to-paper. So my mom used to bring home photocopied sheets of Pokemon characters and like cartoon faces. And I would color those in. And then my dad used to create these line drawings that look like interwoven hairs on like a shower tile. And I would color those in as well. So perhaps those were my like first collaborations. Um, But then my very first drawings uh, were these stick people with no torsos and the legs were attached at the head with the arms attached at the thighs. And that was kind of the logic that I had for <laughs> making stick
1: people uh, for my earliest memory. I love that. So you kind of had your own like homemade coloring books, which sounds pretty cool. Absolutely, super playful
2: stuff. Um, yeah, that's just kind of, and then just, yeah, developing weird logics of like, this is what a, this is what a human looks like
1: in stick form. <laughs> I love that. And as we know, uh, stick form can actually become a huge marketable art art form as well, which is really cool. Um, so Jordan, let's talk a little bit about your work. And when you talk about the titles and the work that you do. You've called yourself an artistic middleman. What do you mean by that? And what role does that play in the art industry?
2: Yeah, I think, um, so I've always kind of struggled with, uh, labels and, uh, my own sense of identity was kind of a big thing going through my arts education. And, uh, I always found it very difficult to be like, I'm a drawer, I'm a painter, I sculpt. Uh, and since I was very curious about a lot of different mediums, I found it just like, well, what is a word that encompasses it all? But then is that even legitimate? So what I kind of thought to myself was, um, the artistic middleman term kind of came about when I I thought art was for others. Like I really think um, that I'm a middleman to the work that I create because once I kind of, you know, appreciate the process of creating the work and then I can kind of disconnect from it in a very healthy way and then just provide it to the viewers so that they can have their own agency to interpret the work. I just found that that was a really good kind of, term uh for the way that I create work that just had this like very healthy break of what I do in the studio and then what somebody
1: can uh take from from the artwork that I make for for themselves got it I love that so what first drew you to the surrealist movement and to generating your own surreal works in various media mediums like paper craft projection mapping like what brought you to that
2: well, I've always found surrealism fascinating, probably before um, I even understood what it was. So perhaps that kind of goes back to uh, the stick people with no torsos. Uh, but it was just a logic that kind of made sense to me. So I kind of kept developing my own logics as a way that I saw things. And since I never grew up uh, like with art being at the forefront of my upbringing, I found that my imagination could roll wherever it wanted Uh, We didn't have the internet like we do now. And I didn't really have the patience for books as a child. So I wasn't going to sit down and uh, look through various books about artists. You know, I was um, just doing more, maybe more kid things. Uh, So perhaps it was a blessing to just kind of grow up with an imagination that wasn't exposed to art at an early age. And uh, I think, you know, the core of surrealism is imagination and exposing those very eclectic minds that we have, you know, and developing our own logics or The ways that we see the world. And, you know, a really good example of that is uh, the way we think about our dreams. You know, some of the weirdest combinations can kind of derive from from that part of us. And, uh, you know, the the history of collage is also uh, very closely linked to surrealism. So I find it fascinating that uh, for me that we can combine, you know, different things that don't necessarily go together. um, But when we do combine different things that are you know that that seem odd uh they're very they're very curious um so i thought that those kind of uh, those kinds of feelings about surrealism really kind of were f- at an early age even before i thought about surrealism and so with the the paper craft and the projection mapping um paper cutting is tactile so the act of moving things around and seeing what happens you know when colors collide or you know, different pieces, uh, like the forms kind of fit in the right place next to another. You know, it's a lot different than, uh, you know, a lobster on top of a telephone. Um, But my collage method really fascinates me just the same. So and then with the projection mapping, you know, I use technologies as uh, different tools to see the subject matter of my 3D collage paintings in a different way. So there's a transformation that happens. And then, you know, seeing those same things in different ways offers new perspectives of how um, I interpret my own artwork, but then how we interpret different artwork in different
1: spaces. And and just a question, Jordan. So of, of the work that you sell commercially, like what, what? like what media have you faced challenges with selling and have you had any ways that you've overcome those challenges? Yeah.
2: So I, um, I was drawing for a very, very long time. Um, and, uh, absolutely loved the, um, you know, I felt that drawing was a very truthful medium. Like it was very raw. And, you know, when you kind of, uh, when you do your research, uh, throughout a, like throughout an arts education, you understand that, you know, drawing is kind of this, this foundation that is either, for something else, right? You know, people create a a stencil or something uh, or some kind of, uh, you know, drawing to create a painting or they create a sketch to make a sculpture, you know, so there's a planning that's involved in it. But there's also this, yeah, this very like raw, unedited kind of idea of what drawing wants. Um, But then when I switched over into painting, uh, you know, I I had to kind of uh, familiarize myself with the, the history of painting. Uh, and you know kind of understand that like if I'm adding in collage elements, you know where do I situate myself with painting and collage? And then where do I also situate myself when I do three-dimensional aspects of this painting as well So uh, what I've what I've kind of well not struggled with, but what I really have to do for like the viewers and the buyers and clients is I really have to educate people in, in what I'm doing and kind of almost like, you know, I have to market the validity of it. Uh, so I bring in, you know, different aspects of realism, different things about painting, different things about collage, different things about, you know, even like sculpture. Uh, so it's always just about educating, uh, the people that are interested in your work. So yeah, I mean, painting, painting is a little difficult for me. Um, but you know, with all the, all the research that I've done and all the experimenting that I've done, it's, uh, You know, it's it's a little bit easier.
1: And and when you talk about educating people on work, because I feel like that's a big topic, right? I mean, like you know, we we run these fairs. We have uh, six or seven hundred artists a year, and the big question is like, okay, somebody walks in my booth. How do I communicate about my work, like my medium, like my 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 message, whatever it may be? Like, what are some of the tips you have for someone on how to educate someone about your work specifically?
2: Yeah, with my work. So uh, I get a lot of questions of like, how do you do it? How do you make it? So one of the tips that I always um, tell other artists is that like really know your materials. Like even if you're just painting, it's like understand oil painting to the way that you clean your brushes. Like and, you know, like all the different kinds of mediums you put on before the canvas, you know, what kind of canvas are you using? So for myself, like I know, I know a lot about the simple materials of my inks, about uh, the chemical reactions that happen when I mix inks and chemicals. I know all about the paper that I use, which is a UPA paper, um, which is like it's kind of like a kind of in synthetic paper. And then, you know, I understand all of those kind of material components, which make for great conversations about what I'm doing. And then I also, you know, I kind of delved into, uh, you know, psychology and philosophy just to kind of understand, you know, how people think. And so, you know, I have really open and honest conversations with people that are interested in my work. And I ask them, I really turn the lens on them and I ask them what they see within the work. Um, And especially since it's abstract, you know, if they're open enough to have a conversation about it, uh, there's a there's a vulnerability to somebody's you know letting you know what they truly see within abstract art, and then I think what happens is that you know the painting or you know me as the middleman becomes like the painting is the topic of conversation for myself and a potential buyer to really just have an honest conversation about what we see, how we operate through life, you know where these thoughts came from and like, is this memories of yours? So it just becomes more about who people are when they're interested
1: in my work. And that's what I really like about it. I, you know, I love that. And I just want to underscore that a little bit because it's really about you're talking to that person about what they see and, and, and who they are. It's really like you again, I like I, now I'm really getting it. Like your art becomes the middleman in a way that it's the topic of conversation between you and the person. So instead of it being like a one-way thing of like, you know, of course you know everything, you know the paper, all these things are so important, especially when you're justifying, you know, the value or price of a work of art, right? Like, is this paper going to last? Is this work going to fade? All those things are so critical. But really what you're talking about here about the, you know, getting the other person's perspective and especially with it being abstract artwork, I think that's super helpful input especially for our abstract artists who are listening out there um and, and getting people to to explain to you what it is that they see and then using that as a topic of conversation. Did I encapsulate that correctly, Jordan or?
2: Um, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, so some of the surreal, like the, the great things about surrealism was uh, you know, artists tapping into their subconscious or utilizing their dreams as the subject matters of their paintings. And then when, you know, when somebody comes in front of an abstract art and, you know, if they just see like a rubber duck in a bubble bath, it's like, that's great because I didn't lead you there. (laughs) I didn't make a rubber duck in a bubble bath, but your brain somehow got there and you were vulnerable enough to share it with me. And now we're having a conversation about a wonderful memory about like a rubber duck in a bubble bath, Um, you know, so it can be as simple as and playful as that, you know, but if other people have, you know existential thoughts about you know our human existence like that's great too right because all of those different thoughts are more about the viewers interpretation of the work and then us having that genuine conversation
1: that's so cool. And I, I love that arts, I love art serving as the, the catalyst of that kind of conversation. And also like this difference in perspectives between it could be like, you know, the solution to all the problems of the world, or it could be a rubber duck in a, in a bubble bath that you remember as a child, but it's really just starting that conversation, which I love. Um, So I want to move this over a little bit to grants. So I know that you recently worked on a grant about surrealism and about the one-sided history of surrealism. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and, and specifically like how was the grant process, you know, what, what obstacles did you face and how did you overcome them?
2: Sure. Yeah. So, you know, as silly as it sounds, I started writing grants before I was even eligible for them. (laughs) I just kind of was, uh, I was interested in how the grant process worked and, um, I felt it to be a very like (laughs) great tool to be like, okay, well, how would I get this? Um, you know, and like, and then, you know, get somebody to look it over. Uh, so, but I always thought with, with grants, um, a really big component, depending on what grant organization you're going through is that um, you align yourself, well, you, you align yourself with like contemporary art at the time, but you also look back on the history of art and what things you want to kind of associate with. But then you also, you know you outline maybe some of your future points of like where your work is going to situate yourself once you finish the grant. So I think really talking on like past, present, and like future um, components of a grant really encapsulates um, for organizations like a very like well-rounded and
1: robust uh, grant f- for them to be like yes
2: we will we will fund you
1: and. So you're you're not only telling them about what you're doing right now, but kind of where it's going, kind of giving them the picture of what it's going to be after you receive the grant money. Am I correct in that? Absolutely,
2: yeah. And so some of the the key components that you were uh, that you were asking about um, for the surrealist history. So, you know, a major part of my grant was to kind of look back on the history of surrealism a little more than I had done through my master's education. So, the majority of my master's was looking at uh, different kinds of surrealism and very loosely how artists were tackling, uh, like how artists were navigating their life through like war, trauma, um, you know, existential crisis, political uh, upheavals, and then also understanding that there was a little bit of that, like essence in the pandemic. So that's what I was kind of talking about when I put it in my grant of this post-pandemic surrealism. And so what I kind of noticed with, like, this resurgence of surrealism post-pandemic is that lots of artists were um, either, like, escaping into new worlds that they were creating through either digital art, uh, through the NFT market space, um, different kinds of paintings, you know, and then they they were trying to find, like, solace or refuge from like the craziness of the of the world and so you know i really resonated with that during my master's education because i was getting my education through the pandemic and i was like i don't want to i don't want to deal with the world i just want to like i want to make sure that i can get up in the morning and like try and go to the studio and like try to make something of value and so i really looked in like internally to a lot of the ideas of surrealism you know specifically Well, I mean, automatic working was a huge one because what automatic working was for the surrealist was you just create now and think later. So I didn't I wasn't bogged down by being like, okay, well, what is my work going to mean? I was just creating things and then I'll I'll figure it out when I'm in a better headspace. And then, um, yeah, like unconventional collage, you know, collage was a really interesting part of surrealism, you know, in regards to, you know, pairing different kinds of uh, objects that we we knew, but it's, you know, it's very different when you add in different abstract shapes beside other abstract shapes. But at least it kind of like it conjures up again, different ideas of like where your brain goes at the specific time of creating the work.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And and I want to talk more about grants and we're going to be right back to hear more about those. But first, a quick message from our sponsors.
0: Artists, are you struggling with getting yourself out there and selling your work? Well, you came to the right place. For seven years, Superfine Art Fair has traveled across the United States and connected with all sorts of art professionals from curators, gallerists, a community of successful artists, and everything in between. We've developed strategies to assist hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that they deserve. From New York City to San Francisco, Miami Beach to Seattle, your next art fair is right around the corner. You can apply to be a part of the fair when it comes to a city near you by visiting www.superfine.world sell hyphen your hyphen art. Mention the artist business plan during your qualification call and we'll take $150 off your booth fee for any city and any fair you choose. Today's the day to start taking control of your art career.
1: All right. So Jordan, we are back to talk more about grants and about your work. And when you applied for the first grant that you did, what was your level of knowledge about the subject? Now we've talked a little bit about it just now, but what, how much did you know about it? And and then how did you connect that grant to your own work? Absolutely. So
2: I started taking my research and surrealism quite seriously during my master's. So obviously with, uh, going through a master's education, you have to write a thesis and create a body of work, um, you know, with all of that stuff that you that you that you've done. So, you know, I but then obviously a lot of the kind of like surrealist ideas that I've had or different kinds of attitudes towards making work, you know, I've been thinking about that since my early 20s. And so what I kind of think about is that when you when you sit down to write a grant, you uh, you can really take some time to self-reflect and be like, what am I, what am I going to achieve with this grant? And then what do I have to back it? Right. Like, what is my life experience? What is my, you know, what is my research sort of been in, whether it's like, whether it's official or unofficial, you know, like, I mean, in my spare time, you know, I do watch YouTube videos of artist interviews throughout history, you know, and like, I do look at books. And so, you know, that's not technically like official, Uh, research in the same way as like a master's education is but it's all relevant to landing grants it's really talking about what you've done in your life and what kind of things are of interest to you and then how you want to create something that could be valuable to to somebody else to a gallery
1: to a viewer to an organization yeah and I think that's a good point that kind of brings us back to what we're talking about before with challenges and overcoming them with selling art is like a lot of it is thinking about you know i i would argue that most of it is thinking about who are you selling this to right if you're looking for a grant to further your own art you're not telling them so much about your art you're learning and responding to what it is that their goals are whatever this organization is and then tailoring your proposal to them to what their what their needs are while incorporating obviously what it is that you want to do and again, I think a point you just made um, that I like here is that it's not just like the education that backed it up, but it's your understanding of the topic. It's your your anecdotal knowledge, the things that you engage with and are interested in organically that you can build into that and demonstrate. I'd say like the artists that I meet and the people that I meet that are always seeking funding and never getting it or always trying to sell things and never selling them, usually it's... If I had to really drill down and say what it is, a lot of times that they are not, they're just putting it out there unilaterally. They're putting out their idea unilaterally towards other entities, other individuals, other organizations, instead of trying to understand those organizations and, and their needs and then tailoring what they're and, – and developing a genuine interest in them and tailoring it to what they're looking for. And that's what I think you're talking about addressing here. Uh, in, in other words, but I, I, that's that's my kind of take on it. So um, wondering what your thoughts are there.
2: No, I think it's pretty accurate. So, you know, all of my work is quite abstract. And uh, the way that I kind of think about it is, um, you know, lots of people that aren't either like interested in contemporary art or they don't understand it. Usually when you like present them with like an abstract painting, they're like, yeah, this is like another language. Like, I don't understand it. But I think I think about it in reverse I think abstract art is the most accessible art form there is because if you educate people on the accessibility of abstract art because it's about that art and the way that they look at it literally it's like everything is correct if you if you have created something for an individual and you haven't put any kind of like I'm not leading you in a certain way so for example for my paintings you know The only things that I think about are the fundamental aspects of art, like color, texture, form. And I'm just creating in my studio space for those specific things. And then once it's out of the studio, it's accessible to everybody because whatever you think of, you know, similar to the either the rubber duck in the bubble bath or existential things about human existence, it's like you are correct in your thoughts because I haven't put anything to lead you in a particular way. And so I think that's the beauty of abstract art and educating people on how like how great it could be for anybody, is that the accessibility is like, it's in the hands of whoever looks at it. And I think that's great because the other two things about it is that if the abstract art takes everybody to the same place in an organic way, then we have a connection there. Within a larger group of people, whether it's just two people looking at the same thing and be like, "Yeah, you saw the rubber duck. I saw the rubber duck." It's like you're both connected. But then if it's like, "Well, I see a rubber duck and I see a flamingo," it's like, "Okay, well, there's some common ground with the birds here, but you know, you're a little different than I am, and and that's fine, you know." But I think that accessibility of abstract art is huge, and it's really just about, uh, you know, it's about marketing it, of course, but it's also about just you know, increasing the validity of how important it is to just allow people to think for themselves, to let their minds go wherever, and just kinda and let it be. Let it
1: exist without without you tampering with it as an artist. <laughs> no, I, I love that. like let, really letting people play with work. And abstract is a really obvious example, but in a sense it's really all art, right? And I think that's such a cool thing, you know, to offer to offer people and to bring to light. I think we could have a whole nother episode just dedicated to abstract art and how artists can better explain it and, and get their audiences to relate to the work in their own unique way. And I think that actually does kind of ironically have a lot to do with marketing it, because if you're letting people have that time to play with the work and not feel like they have to fall into some structure with it. um, I think that's just a really fun way for people to engage with the work. So uh, thank you for, for bringing that to us. Um, I would love to talk all day, but we do have to wrap it up here. So let's bring it home for our listeners. Uh, Jordan, you're also the business director of your own gallery in Canada. What kind of, what do you look for in an artist and how could one of our listeners uh, get in touch with you? What is, what is your normal way of doing that
2: absolutely so uh we just started operating a gallery called the 88 Um, it's a technically a commercial gallery but we're a little bit more on the unconventional side Um, so you know we're we're here to kind of have fun but we're also very interested in uh, the artists that are taking this art life seriously Um, so whether that's just from like uh, you know, professional photographs of their work, or being timely with their emails. You know, and a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that really just has, um, like great collaborations written all over it, is just like professionalism and communication. You know, it's like you could, because uh, we're in a position where we're really just looking for artists to see what's out there and see who's attracted to our mandate. And, you know, it's really just about like selling work, uh, creating a community and supporting each other. So as a business director, you know, we have uh, the owner um, and I support him from a business side of, uh, you know, the gallery. But then I also support all the artists from a business perspective as well. So that professionalism, if I see that professionalism coming through with the emails, if I look at your website and it's like, you know, crisp and cool and like, you've got your, you've got your shit together. (laughs) Uh, It really makes it so much easier for us to work together. You know, that's the, that's the common thing for, for, for me.
1: Yeah. I I love that. And I I don't think that's um, talked about enough, right? Like how, you know, whatever it is, whether you're trying to get a job, work with an art gallery, apply for a grant whatever it may be, it's how you present yourself in this, you know, forum that we've all agreed to use email website and so on. How easy you make it, how pleasant you make it for the other person to work with you is going to be the determining factor in many, many cases of whether or not you're going to have that opportunity. So thank you for sharing that, Jordan. Guys, we've come to the end here. Did you catch everything on this episode? If not, you can always find this episode and all of our past shows on the Of the Artist Business Plan on our website at www.superfine.world. We're also everywhere you listen to podcasts: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of the usuals. Be sure to follow Jordan on Instagram at Jordan Baranecki, That it will be in our show notes as well, and you can check us out on Instagram at the Artist Business Plan and also at Superfine Art Fair. I strongly encourage you to follow both. And anytime you're listening to us or enjoying our guest perspectives please feel free to add that to your Instagram story or a post and tag Superfine, tag the guest, and tag the Artist Business Plan. We're always very happy to re-story that. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, that's our number one listening platform, please do leave us a review and a rating. That helps other artists find resources like the Artist Business Plan. And as always, I just want to wrap up this episode by sharing a quick quote with you all. Today, the quote is, surrealism is embedded in the everyday and in the daily experience. That is Catherine Conley. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We really appreciate it. and We're glad to have you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Everybody else have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and
0: make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the artist business plan hosted by me, Alex Mito and me, James Milley.
1: Join us each week to hear leaders in the art marketing and business arenas discuss tips and tricks designed
0: to help you thrive and sell more art. To listen to this episode and all of our past episodes, just visit www.superfine.world and click the artist business plan.
1: And we love to hear what you have to say. So just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair
0: and shoot us a message just to let us know you're listening. Want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Go to www.superfine.world sell hyphen your hyphen art. Until next time, keep listening, keep creating, and keep up your artist business plan.